Hello, my citizen legislators. I am Crystal Ellerby, the host of Topless Government. Welcome back. Well, what happened this week? What happened Tuesday night? My citizen legislators, what happened? Y'all know what happened. 9 p.m. on all broadcasting um, networks and cable networks as well. The president gave his State of the Union address. This was his second. Um, well, no, yeah. No, this was like actually his first because he didn't give one. He, he talked about Build Back Better. But I digress because I won't get into this because I'm going to tell you. The House Republican conference showed their asses off. They should be. Well, they, you, you know, I, I yeah, it's just like, really? Y'all, y'all act a fool in, in front of the entire world because y'all thought it was cute. I mean, I knew something was going to happen, but damn, I mean, it went far beyond what Representative Joe Wilson, Republican from South Carolina, did when Barack Obama was president. And during his State of the Union address, Representative, oh God, he just, Joe Wilson, just called the president a liar. Called him a liar. And you know what? His wife and his daughter laid his butt out afterwards. But no, no such thing this time around on Tuesday night. Mm-mm. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You had Cravella DeVille. What's her name? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, my Lord. What does she have on that? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's, uh, it's time to read, people. It's time for them to get taught. Let's, let's read some people. What she had on, like, wow. And can we talk about Senator Kristen Sinema? The yellow, I don't know. Somebody said, was it like Big Bird? What she had on? I don't know. And she had the nerve to say, oh, my gosh, it's turned into, you know, political football. Like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, go home. But let's get into this because I want to talk about the State of the Union. But I want to go into the origins of it and the authorization of it. And again, my citizen legislators, I knew, but then, you know, I didn't know. You know what I mean? Now, in the Constitution, it is it is it states that the president must give, you know, the State of Union address. So I went and looked at the um, the office of the um, historian in the House of Representatives, and I'm going to go through the formal basis for the State of the Union address. It comes from the U.S. Constitution, my citizen legislators. And I'm going to quote from it. It's from Article 2, Section 3, Clause 1. The president, and I quote, shall from time to time give to the Congress information on the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient, end quote. Well, but he, before he can give his address, he has to be formally invited. And by whom, I know you're asking. The Speaker of the House. So Speaker Kevin McCarthy sent a letter to the president inviting him to address a joint session of Congress, which means House and Senate members were in the House of Representatives. 
they were in the chamber Tuesday night. So this is how it goes. Every year, um, normally the president is supposed to give his State of the Union, I believe, like maybe the third month, Tuesday of January, but this time around he did it, you know, in February. So under the Constitution, it's required. And um, rem like remember, according to the um, historian office in the House of Representatives, the constitutionally mandated presidential message has gone through a few name changes. And I'm just going to go through. It's only like three. Okay, it was formally known as the quote-unquote annual message from 1790 to 1946. Then it began um, to be formally called the quote-unquote State of the Union message address from 1942 to 1946. Then, from 1947, it was officially known as the State of the Union address. Um, let's go into some, like, earlier you know, annual messages of the president included agency budget requests. Oh my God. Oh, that's, that's tedious. And that's just so boring, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a little history lesson because I didn't know all this as well. And, and again, as I said before, in other podcast episodes, I'm learning with you. So, you know, they included the uh, agency budget requests and general reports, um, on the health of the economy. Now, during the 20th century, Congress required a more specialized approach. Well, I'm sorry, specialized report on these two aspects, uh, separate from the annual message. So the budget measure required by, I'm about to spout off a statute, and it goes back to 1921, the National Budget and Accounting Act of 1921, it is uh, 42 stat to 20. And it's to be delivered to the Congress no more than two weeks after Congress convenes in January. So that's like I was saying. The State of the Union should happen in January, like right around Martin Luther King Day. And then there's the economic report, which is required by the Employment Act of 1946 with a flexible delivery date. Now, over time, um, the messages have content have changed, you know, that the focus has just been on the State of the Union. Now, I'm gonna go back to the 19th century. Now, the annual message, um, oh my God, well, y'all need to understand this. In the 19th century, you know, they spoke differently, they wrote differently but it was a lengthy administrative report on the various departments of the executive branch and a budget economic message. And you know what, right now, um, but that has now played into and changed into the president's budget request for a fiscal year. And that is actually supposed to take place the first, month, the first or second Monday of February. And that comes from the Congressional Control Act of 1974. Don't ask me how I remember that, but I do. Now, after 1913, 
when Woodrow Wilson revived the practice of presenting the message to Congress in person, it became a platform for the president to rally support for his agenda. So this dates back, so the in-person part dates back to 1913. Now there were technological changes, i.e. radio, TV, and yes, of course, the internet, which further developed the State of the Union into a forum for the president to speak directly to the American people. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the technological changes. So the first radio broadcast of a message, President Calvin Coolidge, Coolidge 1923. First televised broadcast, President Harry Truman, 1947. Oh my gosh, I didn't know this. <gasps> okay. Huh? I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Well, hell, I didn't know, but I seriously, I did not know this. So the first televised evening delivery of a message, Lyndon B. Johnson, 1965. Okay. Now this one, I, tr I do not know, I do not know this. The first live webcast on the internet, President George W. Bush, 2020, oh, 2002. And then, ooh, first high definition television broadcast of a message. Oh my God. Oh, this is when we started having smart TVs. George W. Bush. 2004. And I want to go into some record holders with regards to the State of the Union. I mean, this shouldn't surprise you. You know who the longest, the longest State of the Union address? <laughs> the former governor of Georgia. President James Earl Jimmy Carter. 33,667 words in 1981. That was written. Bill Clinton, oh Lord. Oh yeah, y'all Y'all should remember some of Bill Clinton's State of the Union addresses. Spoken, get this, Bill Clinton, 9,190 words in 1995. That was the year the government shut down too. And that was the year that he was doing some dirty stuff in the Oval Office with a certain intern, but I digress. So the average length of a State of the uh, Union address in the 19th century was about 10,000 words. Late 20th century, about 5,000 words. Now, the most messages and addresses given uh, was by um, Franklin Roosevelt. 12, 10 um, were personal appearances before Congress. And then the fewest, oh, oh, we going way back. Wow. Okay, I didn't know this. So the fewest messages given, President Zachary Taylor, one. President William Henry Harrison, what? Zero. What? President um, James Garfield, zero. 
Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. So you, those two presidents gave zero fucks? I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. That's um that's 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 really interesting. That's from um the office of the historian in the um U.S. House of Representatives. I okay. I can't. How well? How could they get away with not doing the State of the Union address? Zero. And the other one, Zachary Taylor, only did one. I'm I'm a little flabbergasted. But that goes back. Way way back. So look, um, in my show notes, I do provide a list of the annual message in the State of the Union addresses. And for the in-person ones, there, are, there were 99 to- in total in-person addresses, 99 from 1790 to 2022. And in 1945, um, President um, Franklin Roosevelt address was read to a joint session of the House and Senate. And I'm assuming that was right, probably, we were going into the tail end of World War II. And then the address was formally known as the annual address from 1790 to 1946. Since 1947, it's officially been known as the State of the Union Address. Now, I'm going to go back to Thomas Jefferson, he began the practice, which I do remember that. I do remember that when I was reading um, Hamilton, because um, Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson despised each other. And yeah, so yeah, he he would he would do a written annual message. So that was the start of this. I'm going into this because I want, I know a lot of you are like wondering why this is done. Is it necessary? Where did it originate? So now I'm telling you. And actually, I'm learning a lot because I still can't believe three presidents, one only, Zachary Taylor only did one address. I don't understand that. But in my show notes, I do have a list, not the full extensive list of the 99. But I do have from, you know, January 20th, 27th, 2010, when Barack Obama gave his first State of the Union address, you know, and all the way until Tuesday night with President Joe Biden. I just wanted to, you know, just make y'all like be aware and familiarize you that under the Constitution, President is required to do this, to go to the American people and talk about the State of the Union and push forward his agenda. Because look, this is a kickoff of his FY 2024, uh, you know, budget request, because that's going to come out. And within the FY 24 budget request will be a lot of his initiatives and his agenda on what he wants to push forward in the next fiscal year. And so I hope that that was, you know, interesting. And just to let you know, you know, some historical background and some historical facts about it. And now I want to get into what happened Tuesday night. Because I just can't. Y'all need to just 
y'all need to just like tell me truly what y'all thought when this episode is uploaded on um youtube please comment because i want to get your thoughts about what happened tuesday night now you know what the president had a lot to actually celebrate and i'm just gonna do a quick litany of what he's accomplished uh in his two years as being president the american rescue plan act it helped uh, it helped a lot of us during the pandemic and it continues to do so for state and local governments let's see what else um the bipartisan infrastructure law yeah remember the last administration oh we're going to do infrastructure it was in infrastructure month infrastructure week da, 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 da. they got it done and it was bipartisan by the way it was bipartisan um let's go into um chip and science act yep because of the semiconductor um crisis that we we're having got that done Got that done. And then, oh yeah, last but not least, the Inflation Reduction Act, which helps with the climate change crisis. Um, it's going to help with um, drug prices, particularly with um, insulin. I mean, they pretty much put it, they put the foot on the neck of um, the pharmaceutical industry, as they should. Because I'm sorry, why does it cost so much damn money for us to get our prescription drugs? when other parts of the world is cheaper. Y'all know why? Because I'm going to tell you, Pharma, which is the trade association for the pharmaceutical um, industry, look, y'all better figure out a way to make um, prescription drugs cheaper. You better. But those, I mean, those are those are major accomplishments. And then on top of that, you know, they pass um, the National Defense Authorization Act. I mean, that's an annual uh, authorization bill for the Department of Defense um, and, um, and so for some of the provisions um, under uh, the Department of Energy involving nuclear power and stuff. I mean, look, the president has a lot to celebrate and he did, but you know what? One of the things I didn't watch the, um, his speech and in its entirety, I watched bits and pieces of it. And for the following reasons, I'm like, reason. I was out with friends having dinner. Excuse me, we were celebrating a friend's um, belated birthday, Aunt Leslie's um, belated birthday. Um, but when I did tune in, I'm not going to lie, my citizen legislators, I was appalled and I was angry. Angry at the fact that the so called Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives sat back and did when his so-called Republican conference showed up, showed out, and showed their asses off. I said it. It was demeaning. It was disgusting. And I'm sorry, everybody saw it. For those of you that voted Republican in the midterm elections, this is on you. This is on you. And particularly, I, I, let me just say this again, because I've said this on other episodes. For you white women who voted for uh, um, the grand old party, you vote against your own self-interest. 
thank you. Thank you so much for making crazy normal. Really appreciate it. This is on you. This is on you. You have elected people who have no sense of dignity, who pretty much look so undignified. I, I mean, and this was all captured on camera. It was. And I'm just sitting there and I go, agree to disagree, but don't be ugly about it. But y'all were. You, 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 the, the Republican members, y'all were of the conference. Y'all were. Y'all showed up. Y'all showed out. You showed your asses off. And you've just pretty much put on display for everybody to see what crazy is. And, you know, Speaker McCarthy, this is on you. You can't even control your own damn conference. Says a lot. Says a lot. You, you've pretty much opened up the gates of hell. You have. And, you know, we're all going to pay a dear price for this. Because for the next two years, this is what's going to continue to go on. Now, like I said before, agree to disagree. But don't be disagreeable about it. And don't be ugly about it. Because you know what? God don't like ugly. He does not. And I'm just, I just can't. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I was just so appalled. Now, I mean, there are some things that, you know, I don't, I, I disagree with the president on. Um, but you know what? I mean, let's have a healthy dialogue. You know, y'all turned this into, you, 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 you're demagogues. You just, you just are. You're just making this into personal swipes at the president. But you know what? He was ready for you. POTUS was ready for y'all. Because y'all got, mm, y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Y'all truly don't know. Because the man from Scranton, Pennsylvania showed y'all something Tuesday night. He did not back down from y'all. And he actually made y'all commit to not getting rid of Social Security and Medicare on camera, on camera. I was loving it. I was there for it. He read y'all the filth, but he did it in a very, very polite way, very polite way. I'm not going to go into the policy aspects of the president's speech because you know, y'all can read it for yourselves, but I'm going to tell you what happened Tuesday night. Y'all need to reflect on that. Those of you, again, who voted Republican, it's on you. It's on you. A lot of you seem to think that you're not being heard. You're not being seen. You just want to talk about critical race theory, which does not exist in elementary and secondary education, but whatever. You keep bringing it up. You want to get rid of Black history, whatever. You know, even though Black history is only celebrated the shortest month of the damn year, and I think that's deliberate. But anyway, I digress. All I'm telling you is this. You continue to vote against your own self-interest. You get what you pay for, which ain't much. But I think y'all need to understand that any president, whoever they may be, 
they're required to come before the American people to let us know about the state of our union. And again, you can you can disagree about the policies, the agendas, and all that other stuff. Here's my question to Republicans. What do you bring to the table? What solutions do you have? Besides wanting to investigate the president's son and his laptop, or better yet, let's talk about abortion. Because I won't go there. Um, those of you self-righteous people who talk about, you know, it's about the unborn child. It's about the fetus. That's all y'all care about. You don't care when the, mo the moment that that child is born into this world. Because, again, you vote against child care. Children's health care. Prenatal care for the mother, um, chips that you know the children's health insurance plan. I, I, I mean, can I go on? Oh, and the fact when these children go from well, babies, toddlers, and then you you know you go into adolescence, and then going towards you know adulthood where they're getting killed in the street by police. What do y'all do? You vote against. So please, like Roland Martin said to this black female conservative, whatever the hell her name was, I don't care. You cannot sit there and say you're pro-life when you vote against prenatal care, when you vote against Medicaid, when you school funding, head start, police reform. Don't ever tell me you pro-life because you not. You pro-fetus. That's what you are. You're pro-fetus. So put your money where your mouth is. And if you want these children to grow up in a world where they don't have to want for nothing, but they, you know, work towards something good, start putting your money where your mouth is. Because just like Roland Thomas, I mean, Martin said, the from the womb to the tomb, and I'm going to use that for now on because, God damn it, y'all are self-righteous and y'all quick to be talking about, especially like when it comes to people of color and particularly Black women who at a large percentage rate actually can die in childbirth. But do y'all do anything about that? No, you don't. Most of the time when a Black woman finds out that she's pregnant and she wants to have the baby and she's going through, you know, she, labor and all that other stuff. And if something is wrong, go back and look at what's, what happened to Serena Williams. She rich and she almost died, but she was her own best advocate. And so was her husband and her family members that were surrounding her. There are, there are racial biases in healthcare, but Republicans, oh no, but y'all, y'all fine with that. All you care about is the child in the womb. But when he comes out into this world, you don't do a damn thing to help that child. You don't. Because y'all want to talk about, ooh, small government. Oh, the, oh, the government shouldn't be paying for this, paying for that. Well, y'all coughed up $1.7 trillion in tax cuts back in 2017. You didn't squawk about that. So don't you ever let me hear you talk about pro-life. Because you can kiss my black ass, because you're not. 
All y'all care about is the unborn fetus. That's all you care about. Prove it to me otherwise. Y'all not gonna be able to do it because you're so entrenched in this myth. You don't care about children. You do not, you certainly don't care about um, black, brown children. That's evident. That, that, that's clearly evident to me. But look, President Biden is, he, he said he's gonna make sure that reproductive rights are uphold. He's gonna, he's gonna do his best. But one of the things that I want to tell y'all, because I know some of y'all like, well, he's not doing enough. A president's power is not absolute. It is not. It is not. It is not. And can we talk about um, police reform? There are some in the Black community, they will go nameless because, I'm sorry, they trifling. You trifling. One, um, commentator basically said that he was mad at President Biden and Vice President um, Harris because Vice President Harris went to the funeral of that poor child in Memphis. And they went on to say, well, they sitting there with the family and they ain't doing nothing about it. You know what? Why don't you run for public office and shut your damn mouth? There is not a lot that the president can do. If he does things by executive order, you think about it. It's only, it's only enforceable when he's in office. When he's gone, the next administration can get rid of it. He has told Congress time and time again, police reform. He even said in the State of the Union address, he's like, look, let's do police reform without defunding the police. Because, I mean, Republicans, y'all quick to talk about, oh, yeah. You know, these social Democrats, they want to defund the police. Some do, but in all actuality, we can't. It's about reallocation of funds, reallocation of resources. But, but that's not sexy for people. Because, you know, the 30-second damn soundbite. Because that's all your little minds can, can even comprehend. But I, look, again, let me, let me get off my soapbox because I'm about to get filthy. Well, it's already there. It doesn't matter. All I'm telling you is this. The president can only do but so much. Remember, there are three branches of government. Executive branch, legislative branch, judicial branch. And there's checks and balances. Checks and balances, people. I guess I'm going to have to do an episode on checks and balances to make y'all understand, like, what, you know, authorities the executive branch has, same with the legislative branch and the judicial branch. I guess I'm gonna have to go there just to teach you that because y'all seem to think you quick to blame the president. A lot of you are quick to blame him about inflation. President can't do anything about inflation. However, the Inflation Reduction Act is helping. Inflation is actually being reduced how many jobs did, 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 were created? Uh, how many jobs? Y'all look it up. We have the lowest unemployment rate, people. We're creating jobs. And then you, everybody's always talking, about, we're about to go into a recession. Okay, whatever. Tell me what the definition of a recession is. Go look it up. Go look it up. Look, we all need to understand 
that the president gave his State of the Union address Tuesday night to let everybody know where we are, agree or disagree with him, but don't act like a fool because that, that's what happened. And I want to talk about the rebuttal from the governor of Arkansas. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, all I got to tell you is this. Um, before I go into that, I want to tell you the origins of well, I'm sorry, uh, uh, the opposition responses. I didn't know this, and I just learned. So guess when the practice of the um, opposition responses to the State of the Union began? The year I was born, 1966. So that was when um, television networks provided the Republican Party with a half an hour slot. So there was Senator Everett Dirksen, Republican from Illinois, and Representative Gerald Ford, Republican from Michigan. They delivered the first opposition response. Now, by 1976, the television networks, now mind you, there were only three, ABC, NBC, and CBS, they were automatically providing you know, a slot for the opposition party immediately following the president's State of the Union address. And, okay, so I'm just going to give you a small list of the opposition responses. So in 2021, there was no annual address done by President Joe Biden. Um, he delivered a speech on Build Back Better on April 28th. But Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina delivered the Republican response. Now, in 2022, President Biden gave his State of the Union address, and the opposition response came from Governor Kim Reynolds, Republican from Iowa. And President, President Biden gave his State of the Union address, or the annual address, on March 1st, 2022. Now, the opposition response for this year's annual address was given by Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the Republican from Arkansas. And she went into this whole thing about it's crazy versus normal versus crazy. I can't even make that up because she crazy and all the megas are crazy. But she, she put it out there in her response and she was just like, you know, the president lied and all this. I'm like, yeah, you know what, whatever. Here's the thing. She's been talking about getting rid of racism in the Arkansas schools. I can't make this up. If y'all look at where Arkansas, the state of Arkansas is ranked in education, literacy, poverty, go just go check it out. But she worried about getting rid of racism in schools. She's talking about critical race theory. 
she doesn't want quote unquote students to be indoctrinized. For real? Okay. Well, bless your heart because you an idiot. I'm sorry. I just I'm so over the critical race theory crap. They're doing it in the state of Florida. I, I just I'm like I, I, it is what it is. But this is like. I wanted to give you the origins of the opposition response because I just wanted to let you know the historical background on it and just, you know, let you know, you know, from, you know, previous State of the Union address, the recent one, who gave the opposition response. Look, I'm going to delve into something else that's related to this <coughs> because it's, it's really, really important. We're in Black History Month, the shortest month of the year, go figure. And we have white politicians who want to dismantle Black history. To the point that Florida Governor DeSantis has basically stripped all the advanced placement courses to only be, you know, non-black. He's gotten rid of the black, the African-American studies. He doesn't think that it's relevant. I'm going to tell you point blank. Black Americans built this country. Don't get it twisted. We built it on so many different levels. We have so much suave, sophistication. We are educated. We are here. I'm black and I'm proud, like James Brown said. And if you don't like it, I don't care. And it's not being racist. It's not. Y'all want to make it racist, but it's not. All I'm telling you is this. We are now at the point where an entire state, where children are not going to learn about Black history, are going to be ignorant to all the things that Black Americans have done. And then think about when they go to, as they get older and they go out into the world, and they're ignorant of facts. Don't matter. It doesn't matter because the governor in Florida is, doesn't even care about that. All he's doing, he's want, he wants to wipe away Black Americans. And y'all falling for it down there. But I, I, but I heard that one professor, and oh my gosh, he's like in his 80s. He is basically going to continue to teach African-American studies. I'm telling you, look, Black Americans have contributed a lot to this country. We have. And one of the things that I'm reminded of is when Dr. Martin Luther King, when he talked about when President um, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves in the um, Emancipation Proclamation, my people were not given the tools to, to survive. And the effects of that, not getting those tools, are still here. It's a ripple effect. It's a ripple effect. And white Americans, y'all still don't get it. Now, when we talk about reparations, you know, I know that's a divisive subject, but you know what? We weren't given the tools. It took us, it took us a while to figure out the white man's game. And also don't think proximity to white people are gonna save black people because it's not, because you're black. Let's don't get it twisted. 
We all need to be here together. We need to be vigilant together. But I'm telling you, they're, they're trying to dismantle. They're trying to dismantle. And I think Tuesday night was a demonstration of that. I mean, they want to make our president look weak. They want to fill people's heads with disinformation, outright lies. They want to do that. And the reason why they want to do it is because House Republicans have a non-seat majority. They're not there to govern. They already showed you that Tuesday night. They are not there to govern. They don't have any solutions, none whatsoever. So for the next two years, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Now, I'm looking forward to 2024 and Biden's State of the Union address before he goes up for re-election. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to it. I, I really, really am. Because the country needs to see that we have a president who wants to move forward. He wants to be bipartisan, but if he can't be bipartisan, he gonna, he's like, fine, whatever. I'm going to find a workaround. But look, my citizen legislators, I really, truly hope, hope I, I, I really hope that y'all watched Tuesday night, this past Tuesday night, because it should be a wake-up call to you that House Republicans and even Senate Republicans, they don't want to govern. They don't want to govern. They don't. They don't. I mean, you know, the next two years is just going to be, I don't know. I mean, they've already started the investigation, whatever. But I, I'm like, I'm going to end this because this is, this is making me really, really angry because we had our president come up to Capitol Hill in good faith to give the mandated State of the Union address as it's required by our Constitution. And you had these hillbillies and white trash show their butts. Ridiculous. I ain't even gonna say, I mean, they're not, you know, I know they're not even shamed by it. They're because, you know, this is who they are. But um, I hope with this episode that you, you know, understand why. The president has to give his State of the Union address and where it started and how it was authorized. And then um, about the opposition response when that was started. Check, I mean, check it out. I mean, you know, check out my show notes. Um, you know, go on the U.S. House of Representatives Office of the Historian website to learn more. I hope you found this episode on the State of the Union informative. I know I was on my soapbox. But I, again, it hit a nerve. It hit a nerve. And it was, you know, on display for all of us to see. And it's, it's unfortunate. But wake up. Wake up, my citizen legislators. Wake up. Because 2024 is round the corner. And y'all need to be vigilant. And you need to make sure that you are aware of your surroundings and what is going on. Because they want to keep you in the dark. And don't be in the dark. It's always the light. Run to the light. Run to the light. So on that note, thank you so much for tuning in to Topless Government, the podcast that blows the top off of how your government works. Thank you and have a good day.